one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Joe Clark is on the show today. Not that Joe Clark, not the right honorable Joe Clark, the former prime minister of Canada. This is a different Joe Clark. Uh, this Joe Clark is, well, what is he? Um, I only recently found out he is a former Toronto Star columnist and Globe and Mail columnist and columnist for Extra, the gay and lesbian newspaper here in Toronto. He is also an author, I have learned. Uh, he wrote a book on web accessibility and another book on Canadian English spelling. Um, but that's not how I have known Joe Clark. Uh, that's not the writing of his that I've been familiar with. The, uh, the, the writing of his that I've known has been um, in the form of uh, comments to Facebook posts, um, emails sent to me over the years, and, uh, and writing on his blogs, and uh, primarily his most recent blog, which is called Canada Land Watch which you can find at canadalandwatch.wordpress.com. Joe describes the blog as media criticism of media critic Jesse Brown's podcast of Canadian media criticism. And Joe Clark joins me in a moment. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by David Shepard, Hans Colburn, Colin, Fenwick McKelvey, Michael Hingston, Adrian Powell, Maxime Rousseau-Bridal, Nicole, 
Dave Liggett, Craig Silverman, and Nick Morgan. Nick, why did you decide to be awesome? Because I think that Canada needs independent journalism, but it also needs high-quality journalism. I'm proud to support Canada Land. I think it's money well spent, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how this progresses now that it truly is independent and self-sustaining. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. So, so why, why do you have my phone number, but I don't have yours? Uh, would you like my phone number? It's a bit late now, isn't it? It was a matter of principle at a certain point. A matter it's a, of well, it's a, it's a bit late now, wouldn't you say? I mean, you've always been able to contact me, <clears throat> whereas the only way one can contact you is through this Gmail. So for months you had my phone number. Why did I never have yours? Because you make me nervous. But did you think I was going to crank call you? Like, what? I don't understand that. I don't know you. You're basically a stranger. I'll tell you what it is. There was. You're basically uh, a stranger to me, and I gave you my number. Almost no one has my number. That's fine. That was a decision you made. I took note of one of your comments where you made reference to a car that happens to be the kind of car that I drive. A Mini? No. That's funny. I'm, that's funny. I've been interested in cars since childhood despite not having a driver's license. Uh, I don't remember doing that. Throughout your criticism of me. I'm the, not sure I've been critical of you, but carry on. I thought you were the media critic critic. That's it, that's structural and institutional. You 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 you. I don't think you even understand your own métier here. You think that actually attaching someone's name to something is getting too personal. I think that which is which is nonsense. But you were going to say throw up my criticism of you. So I'm just going to let that slide. I, I disagree that I'm a critic of yours. I'm also not anti Jesse Brown. But please finish your sentence. I don't think that a critic has to be anti, and I don't think that you're necessarily out to I'm get me. Clarifying that. Um, I'm certainly not out to get you. So what's the end of your sentence? Throughout your writings about me and to me. There have been um, little aspects that have made me nervous. 
Such as. And I, and I don't know if it's rhetorical flourish or what I should make of it. But uh, there are times when it feels like you are either crossing or, or, or blurring the line between what would be a sort of a professional critique and statements about my uh, appearance or um, speculations about who I am friends with or where I hang out. And then there was this mention of, of a, a model of car, which happened to be the kind of car I drive. And it made me nervous. I have no memory of that. This would have been around nonfiction 2007. No, the reference to the car was more recent than that. I have no memory of doing that. I'm not making accusations. You asked me a question. I'm, I'm giving you an honest answer to your question. Well, not a very informed one, apparently, because I have no idea what kind of car you drive. It would be fascinating for, for me to find out. And if we're discussing your That is reassuring to hear, and, if and I believe you. And if we're – okay. The, the, the issue is I, I describe you as affable, uh, tall strapping. Well, at, the non, at the first nonfiction event, I said you were the ex- first time I'd ever seen you. Yeah. You, I said you were exactly the kind of body type who could get away with this Vietnamese-made uh, linen, linen uh, suiting with the lilac – uh, shirt, of course. That's exa- that's exactly what. No, you said nice things about my appearance that were flattering, but they were still things about my appearance. So what? So what? That's the pro- that's the problem with with your um, coterie of downtown progressive uh, pseudo intellectual journalists who <laughs> who uh, practice identity politics to the absolute extreme, but have no understanding of sociology. But my first question for you is: okay. Why have you never at any time publicly acknowledged my existence, Jesse? Why would I publicly acknowledge your existence? You're a media critic, and you, you, a media critic, by definition, cannot be above criticism. I run the Canada Land Watch site, which is about your project. Yet the only time you ever acknowledged that was by retweeting something from Brent Morris, who mentioned it. Well, that sounds like a public acknowledgement. No, I, I don't think so. Uh, please, please, let, please let the victim of the crime uh, determine uh, with the, the extent of the crime. No, I don't think so. So you, you don't. It you was don't, a crime that I haven't acknowledged your you blog. Don't, you don't. I, I'm and allowed, I've used blog in the. In the, in the I'm allowed, I, I I'm allowed a bit of hyperbole here. I'm allowed a bit of hyperbole sure. here. Yes. In any event, um, so let's see. You don't follow me on Twitter. Of course, you have to request, but I let you in immediately. Um, you don't respond to anything publicly that uh, I ever post. And even when I fact check your ass, you don't come back and say, well, this is, this is what I did in fact, right? If we're discussing private emails, there, there's, there, was, there was a months-long period when I would ask you fact-checking questions and I would, I would get nothing back. So the, my question is still, why had you, have you not publicly acknowledged my existence? A, you're here now. Does that erase the past? B... And this is this is my. I'll be very transparent with you about. I hate that word. Can't you, you know, just say honest, honest or informative, transparent? For God's sake, <laughs> honest is better. It's true. I'm I, I'm uh, nervous and uncertain about you. The nervous part I can see. Uncertain I don't know. And your your screen keeps dimming. You can change that. You know. No, that doesn't show up on the radio. But um, I'm, I'm looking at it now. I'm experiencing it. Can I finish answering your question? This gives you the, the, the blue velvet Sandman uh, uplighting uh, effect there, which is quite attractive, actually, especially <laughs> Thank you. Here. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I, so I await the description. Service, I can see uncertain. I don't understand. So please explain that before we go. Yeah. So you have – I mean, I, I don't know what category to place you in. You have a reputation. Okay. Don't go there yet. Explain to me what you mean by uncertain about me. I am uncertain about you uh, in terms of like these minute details, which you get very angry about. You seem to have a angry fixation on the difference between is- instant messaging and email, Stop typographical. Saying Stop saying angry. Well, you're asking me my impressions. All right, right? fine. So you, you, you've struck me as a very angry person. Oh, here we go. That's okay. That's a, no, it's, it's, it would be okay if it were true. But that's, again, the downtown progressive uh, collect, collective hive mind uh, ejecting someone who is, does not 
Uh, well, I'm not ejecting lo- loyalty oath. That's correct. I'm here. I'm here now. That's right. So, and I think that anger has its place, whether or not you accept the term. I'm simply. Well, I've no. What I'm no. What I'm angry about is you're lying to your lying to your. Uh, patrons and and taking the biggest story of your life well, to, to, to the to the to the Toronto well, Star. Well, we can talk about and that. The, we are going to talk about that and the fact that absolutely nothing I do or any or any of the small number of people like Simon helped uh, who opposes you in a, in a tiny tiny way can ever do will dislodge Jesse Nation, which is the Ford Nation Monkey oh post election. God. All right, so not, this this you're untouchable. I've already published this. You are the only untouchable figure in Canadian media. So in fact, that's okay. I am angry about that. I am angry about that and frustrated would be a better word, actually. Um, so then my next question on the list here, why do you continue to peddle the lie that you are the only media critic in Canada? Well, I don't even know if we're finished dealing with the first one. Uh, because okay. you, I, I, and you seem to be under the impression that you're here to interview me. I used to be under the impression that that's not the case. <laughs> I, I, Journalists I, I, interview each other. I'm sure, like, you've, uh, recently, recently, yeah. recently, I've seen that you've been interviewed by these, these young kids who don't, don't know their ass from a hole in the ground, right? But you probably don't have a lot of experience being interviewed by other experienced journalists. Is that correct? Seasoned journalists have not interviewed you very often. Is that correct? Not very often, I suppose. Right. So that's, and, well, that's happened to me a lot because I have topic expertise in other areas. So then this particular topic comes up. Some, it could be captioning. It could be accessibility. It could be typography. It could be the TTC. It could be any number of other things. So then I interview them. So then, then we have to have this argument at the outset about how journalists can interview each other. And the answer is – and the, well, the, the response to that is if you ask me a question – I'm going to – I may come back and question the assumptions behind that because, of course, I'm a journalist and I'm all about understanding the assumptions behind things. So when two journalists interview each other, it is actually – it is actually – it's, it's – it is not – it is not a struggle for dominance. It's, 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 equal, it's, equal, it's equal partners applying the same tools to each other. So I'm not a guest on your show. It is two journalists interviewing each other. Both things are true. Uh, you are a guest on my show, and well, you're a guest and, in, and, and you're a guest you can, in my you, studio. And you could revoke that at any time. And it's not even your studio; you rent it. You said <laughs> you rent the gear. You just told me off air, so it's fine. I yes, rent the gear. It's your yes. It's it's okay. your house. It's your show. You are welcome to ask me questions, Joe. And uh, and to, to try to give you a complete answer to your first question, when I add everything up. The fact that you have made you know, multiple references to my personal appearance, the fact that you always talk about my coterie of friends and what part of town I hang out in, the fact that you seem angry about typos and typographical and minutiae that nobody else seems to get upset about. Because they're, they're equally incompetent. And the fact that many, many, many people uh, who work in journalism also feel that they get angry emails from you. And the fact that and I where felt— they, And where are they now? Where are these anonymous cowards now? I'm not even going to respond to that unless you can t- attach names to them. I'm not asking you to respond. I'm responding to your then question. You, then you, then you, you can't bring that up if you don't expect a response. You, you're there, free to respond, but I'm not I asking told you this for already, I told you this already back in August when you, just, when, you, when you set up these prerequisites for this goddamn interview back in August. I said if you're going to have anonymous cowards trying to voice— um, defamatory opinions about me, or anything—just any kind of criticism, any kind of you know, any kind of vituperation—then they have to attach their names to it, and ideally, they'd be in the room. So don't go, don't go me this. Oh my, uh, don't get this, 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 this legion, legion of other journalists who send you, who, who think I send them angry emails. Actually, I send them blunt emails because I've been online for 23 years, and my emails are just blunt. This is not a court of law. You're asking me why I didn't give you my phone number. I just told you. But the precise question was, why when I gave you my phone number, you didn't give me yours? Yeah. Being in possession of your phone number did not make me feel any more secure about, about uh, re- returning it. But I'll tell you something right now. The most uh, alarming thing to me that maybe my mind was playing tricks on, this reference to the car, I absolutely believe that is something that I convinced myself of that is not true. I have no and I feel no sense of personal threat being in this small studio with you. You're welcome to have my phone number. May we move on? 
uh, we've been moving on all through this entire thing. We've had we've had we've had a, had a rollicking, continuously continuously rolling, almost epicyclic conversation so far. You even had uh, Gian Gomeshi in your sites, and I find lo- hunters loathsome and appalling, and you know there's no excuse in them whatsoever. But viewing this metaphorically, you had him in your sites with, with your goddamn crossbow, and then you took it away and ran out of the blind and you know trotted on down to Daddy so that Kevin Donovan could could uh, carry your water. Why not go to Toronto Star? Let's talk about that. Well, indeed. So much more importantly, since that that process started back in the spring, according to your twits and according to what the Toronto Star published twice, that entire process started back in the spring after you got these um, uh, attestations from three female sources, if I'm, I believe all of that is correct. So back four in the, sources. Four, sorry. Thank you. Very good. So this back in the, back in the spring that started, yet in October, you uh, debuted this uh, funding campaign, which is fine. And that was always going to be a success. It was disingenuous you to think that was not going to work. It was always going to be a success. But then you also knew that within days, Right at a certain point after that, a certain point after that, as things unfolded in a certain manner, and Gian Gameshi had, a little, had his little freak out over listening to your podcast, mm-hmm. reading your twit. Right? Okay, but at that point, you knew that um, this was going to be be this the, the 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 switch would be flipped, and this would be published in the Toronto. At Star. which point? Well, at this, well, you're, why don't you tell me that? But the the most the most important issue is the uh, if we look at the timeline here, you had this information back in the spring. Yeah. You chose not to run with it for I think incorrect and spurious reasons, and then you also decided to go to the Toronto Star with it, mm-hmm. and knowing at some point that you know the shit would hit the fan and this would be published, and it so turned out because of events that that happened very shortly after you debuted your crowdfunding campaign, which is premised on the idea that you would be the country's sole independent media watchdog, if I may use that word. Yet the biggest story of your life, you will never have a bigger story than this, I predict. You went straight to the lamestream media with. Why? Because for me to have debuted on Canada Land would be disastrous for the story. Because can, that, you, can you explain why that would be true? Absolutely. I mean, and I won't. I won't misrepresent that I had also my own personal reasons for taking to the star, in that I uh, and I know that you find this to be spurious as well. But I don't have libel insurance. We, we're, we will. I will discuss that later. Right. If you don't. So mind. my understanding, after uh, consulting with a few lawyers, was a there is absolutely nothing I could do in my journalism. I could do all sorts of things to make my journalism stand up to a lawsuit. Right. After a lengthy and costly court battle so that ultimately, based on the responsible communication defense, Grant versus Torstar, I would win that lawsuit. But there's nothing I can do to stop one from being filed, one from being filed against me, uh, with which I would be uh, solely liable. Right. The second part is if I were to go out on Canada land as an as as the blogger, the freelance writer breaking this story, the first thing that would have happened in all likelihood, and, and this actually is corroborated by when Gameshi posted his Facebook post, he's, it's clear that he thought – he had heard that the star had dropped the story. He was preparing for a Canada Land story, I believe. Hmm. So the immediate response would have been to attack my credibility, to attack me personally as somebody who's some uh, bitter ex-CBC. There's the jilted ex-girlfriend and then there's the freelance writer who's also a jilted ex-girlfriend of the CBC. You probably and, meant angry. That's, that's our word of the day. Angry. And he, uh, he even, I, I think, somewhere he said something about how I was a freelance writer who had a problem with him. So he was uh, basically arming— As does half of the freelance writers in Canada, but carry on. That's fine. But it was clear to me that this was going to be the defense, was that uh, if you can discredit me and if you can discredit my, you know, this, this one source who he thought maybe was going to be my only source, then that would have been his, his plan of attack had it not appeared in the star. So looking at this from the point of view of my sources, the alleged victims of Gian Gameshi and their interests— They're clearly not— not alleged. 
You don't have to hedge that. Well, I think that you're probably right because he hasn't denied that he beat them. But I, I, uh, I, I reserve the right to edit this because I still don't want to get sued. And I think you're, I can do my work without getting get sued. sued. You're still not going to get sued because some, some of us read defamation law textbooks and, and case law for fun. Anyone can and we're sue, going to get to that. that anyone can sue anyone, That is Joe. correct. You're getting slightly ahead of, ahead of that because then, then we're getting to my the response part of this, of this segment. But please carry on with your fulsome explanation of your motivations. Absolutely. What was necessary, what served the interests of the story, so the public's interest to know, and the interest of my sources who are entrusting me with their story and entrusting me with their identities and were still exposing themselves to some degree. And it would all be for naught if the story was torn down, they themselves discredited, me discredited, and nothing uh, of this w- were to stick. And so for those reasons, you don't think I wanted to publish this on Canada Land? You don't think I was, I was dying to publish this on Canada Land? Of course. But I'm, I, I'm, unfortunately, I, I can't respond to the, to the, to the uh, emotion you just displayed there. I prefer to res- respond to the, your, the, the facts you've you've All right. Uh, well, laid, you know, I, I suspect you, you, you have a counter-argument, but I, I, I hope you don't dispute that that, that that is the argument that that, that was what I was uh, – the basis that I was operating on. All right. And, we, and, we, and we, we did hear most of that before, although the bit you just said a moment ago about how that, that essentially that the credibility of the sources and your credibility would be destroyed by – I don't know. It was, certainly would have been challenged. Lots of things are challenged. You're being challenged right now, and you're you're holding up fine. Thank you. So these, um, but th- that that's predicated on the notion that your reporting was inaccurate. No, the lawsuit would have been predicated. No, 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 no. Any, 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 uh, any, uh, any, uh, any, any uh, challenge, any, any attempt to uh, deconstruct uh, the, your your reporting or the sources that would be predicated on the fact that there that there were lies, essentially. No, not but even necessarily. Not, I think you, you, you can even attack. You can even file a libel claim based on malice. If if he felt that I was operating out of malice, if he felt that I didn't report it responsibly. No, no. I, mal- malice and responsibility are two different things. Mal- malice in malice has multiple senses in defamation law, but by by far the primary primary one is. Um, an intent not encapsulated by the uh, words in dispute. So it uh, th- 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 doesn't just mean hatred. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you hate Gian Gomeshi's guts as so many of us do. Okay, I was an early adopter of hating Gian, Gian Gomeshi's guts. Okay, um, please, you know, I, I hated <laughs> the trend on that. One. I hated Gian. Gomeshi All of a sudden, everybody cool. always hated him. Yeah, no, before, before they sold out. So yeah. hold on. Now, so okay, so we go back to the, the to the. I I will accept at some level that you that you wanted to wanted to shoot the crossbow and and, and take him down. Skin and skin is skin is hide. Certainly, have, have, I'm not uh, agreeing to that characterization. Uh, well, and, and uh, I wanted to tell the truth on CanadaLandShow.com, and that and the the effect the effect of that would be the same. And I suppose actually if you if you admitted that that could be imputed as malice in the uh, definition I just described. So that's fine. But I, I'm, I'm, allowed, I'm allowed to characterize it that Joe, way. Joe, you clearly and have you a more thorough no. understanding of the because, law than well, I then do. Why don't you let me finish and tell you more about it? Because right. this, is, this, is a, this is an informational segment. Okay. Right. Okay. So, yes, it is true that no one can – there is there is no power that can prevent a, a, other people from filing frivolous lawsuits against you. Yeah. Uh, uh, Selma Bouvier – As he has done Selma, to Selma, the CBC. Selma, Selma Bouvier, I have, I have a lucrative hobby filing frivolous lawsuits. Of course, yes. That, well, that, that, that was a positioning statement and, and that's, that's not going to go anywhere and it's, it's – As would his lawsuit against me have been, a okay. warning and to other media. That's well, – <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't seem to have deterred the CBC at all. All right, so let's assume this. Because but, it came out in the Toronto so, Star. Yes, okay, slow down. I'm, I'm, going, I'm trying to go through this piece by piece. Let's imagine the first couple of days. In the first couple of days, he could have found a lawyer 
easily, who could have filed a defamation complaint against you, which, as you know, starts with a letter that has to be served properly, demanding an apology and retraction, stating the words that are complained of and why they are defamatory. Sure. But by day three or four or seven or ten, when um, I'm going to mangle her name, Lucy de Couture and, and other uh, victims came forward mm-hmm. by name, and there was an uh, became uh, there came to be an avalanche of uh, evidence on this. Would they have come forward if it was on no, my blog? Uh, and I was facing a lawsuit? I think it's entirely possible. Just, but I'm just I'm going on on the the the, the fact that the, the 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 topic we're discussing right now is what would you be sued for defamation? So at that point, as more victims came forward, also as any lawyer did due diligence on Gian Gomeshi and, for example, looked at the same pictures and video that we later learned he had shown to the CBC, right? There wouldn't be, you would it'd be very difficult to find a responsible lawyer who would write. Uh, a letter claiming that those statements were false and defamatory because the lawyer would know that they're not false and defamatory and the lawyer is ethically bound not to make uh, false attestations. What if Gomeshi was lying to the lawyer? Uh, well, that, that's the thing. You could, it's, you could get Lionel Hutz. It's true. He could get Lionel Hutz who doesn't do correct due diligence. But in defamation law, this is – defamation law is a, re, is a very complex area of law and he, he could find some – It's some possible that he's lawyer. been lying to a lot of people, which is it's why a lot of people have possible. dropped him. Fine, fine, fine. Let's, let's just accept that as stipulated. The CBC so, has alleged that he was lying to them. Okay, it. great. And then, of course, if you're given what is incorrectly known as a libel notice, if you're given a, a demand for an apology and retraction, you immediately publish it. The first thing you do is take a picture and put it on Twitter. Then you scan sure. it and put it on your blog. And then you say, I will not be muzzled. Then the game is on. But the ball is in your court. You have the court of uh, public opinion in, you know, in the palm of your hand. Right? I mixed a couple of metaphors there. It's true. You are in control of, of the narrative at that point. They've uh, alleged that your, uh, that your writing is defamatory by having to restate the allegedly defamatory words and why they're defamatory. And that makes the papers. Even if you never, could, never become the Vichy-like collaborationist you did with the Toronto Star, it, then it hits the Toronto Star. Okay, Vichy-like collaboration with the Toronto Star. Uh, then it hits the papers. Then it hits the papers. Right. And then it becomes a hot topic. And that, even if... People like Ms. de Couture had not come forward. They would at that point because, oh, now that now there's some heat around this. Okay, then next, next. Let's imagine that things go terribly for you. Things, things go terribly for you. And, in fact, he finds a lawyer, a competent lawyer, knows defamation law and is willing to file a complaint in, I believe, divisional court. Anyway, they, they actually take you to court about it. Well, I asked around. So, for example, I asked Peter Downert, who uh, wrote the book Libel, one of the several books I read for, you know, for pleasure in my spare time. Wouldn't this be an obvious case of a matter of enormous public interest that could set a serious precedent? Wouldn't you do pro bono work for Jesse Brown in this case? And he wrote back saying, maybe I'd have to think about it. That's not a no. So, Do you think that I asked lawyers if they would take this on pro bono when I was researching this? Uh, I, would, I would expect you did, yes. But did you ask someone, someone like Peter Downard? I asked, some of the, I asked some of the most prominent libel lawyers in the country. I spoke to three different lawyers. Not Downard. Not Downard. Because he answered my questions. Joe. That's, that's, that, that's proof that you Any way you slice it, it would have been a massive, irresponsible gamble. To what end? Stop so saying that I irresponsible. Could, it would not be responsible to my sources. It would not be responsible to my family. And you know what? It worked out okay. Well, well, except for for lying to your contributors. On the the pretext that you were were an independent media critic, when the biggest story of your life you you ran to daddy with. Now, my 1,400 plus contributors, of which you are not one. No, and never will be. 
not one of them has found uh, taken issue with this. So it's not a popularity contest. We're not getting it's, it's Actually, it is a popularity contest. That's all this is. This is this is actually a plebiscite about Jesse Brown and his chirpy bonhomie and how he's and how he's he's one of our people. And he can do no wrong. Okay, so don't try don't try to pull that on me. Okay, just no. Ridiculous. They don't care if the truth comes out on Canada Land or Toronto Star. They care if the truth comes out. You're changing the subject now. All right, let me look at this here. Okay, uh, tell me about the contract with the Star. What would you like to know? Everything about it. How much did they pay you? I would be happy to tell you that. They don't want me to. I can tell you that they paid me industry standard rates. You signed a gag order? No, I'm a freelancer who is constantly making contracts with different media organizations. And the practice in the industry, if you ever want to work again, is you don't tell people what you're getting paid. And this is one of the one of the one of the fundamental you know, this is one of the category errors of your show. You, you'll you'll talk about other people's money, but not your guests and not your own. That's insane. No, that's not true. And in fact, well, I, it is constantly true. Yes, they put that comedian on the show, and I don't know why. And the Mark McKinney episode today was another joke, by the way. Like, why don't you get an actual? Why don't you get an actual television executive in here and ask why comedy isn't working on television instead of having these comedians like an, an episode recorded obviously before October based on the reference in the show? Like, when you got that comedian on here, you talked you talked about you know, what, how about how much how much the, the going rate was for a stand-up show. But we never asked her how much she made. So it's now look, who's changing the topic? No, no. We're, the topic the topic is your 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 refusal to actually you 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 claim to be interested in money. You're 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 extremely concerned with say a union or the Chinese government funds journalism in some way, right? Right. You, you feel that you feel that that's tainting journalism. Or Peter Mansbridge takes speaking fees. In fact, you're very concerned with money. You should be because that is, you know, uh, money from the wrong source for the wrong reason can taint taint journalism. Sure. We, we acknowledge that, of yes. course, but. You, when it comes to someone sitting in the room, you lose your nerve. You lose your nerve. How much do you earn from stand-up, you should have asked. You don't. You can't. You can't bring yourself to do that. Let's slow down a minute here. To the question of, is it of interest to my audience and part of my journalism to get the figures? Depends. If I'm having somebody here for a conversation about what's right and what's wrong in the comedy scene, the stand-up comedy scene in Toronto... Do I need to be – sometimes you need to be rude. Sometimes you need to, ma- to demand things that people don't want to disclose. Sometimes that, that adds to the editorial package. That also can make people not want to come on your show. So on a case-by-case basis, I determine whether or not that information is relevant and necessary. In the case of a comedian talking about how hard it is to make a living in the Toronto stand-up scene, asking her specifically what her income is is not that fucking important. I didn't say income. I said how much does she get per show? Because you talked, you talked about what, what the what the general uh, pay scale is for stand up, and I said, well, how much do you get? So, what, but but, yeah, right, we, but I wasn't examining this episode. Yeah, was we, the yeah, point of the episode? Yeah, we was lionized not... Camilla Gibb for talking about how difficult it is for a mid list author to uh, to make a living these days, and you, on, and you claim it's on a case by case basis. It's across the board. You will you will you will you will not shut up about the uh, the uh, the uh, corrosive effect of union funding on the Taiyi and the Chinese sending 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 people on. I don't think I said anything about that being corrosive. uh, Re-listen to your own episode. You keep talking about... You keep talking about about the the union, which you didn't even uh, identify. Funding the tie. You talked about the what's it's not Enbridge. What's the name of the energy company that that takes that takes out ads and so on in the National Post, the Post Media newspapers? They must be expecting something for their Cap. contribution the, for their contribution. Enbridge. Precisely right. People don't want to come on your show. Well, tons of people don't want to come on your show, and tons of people do. I've been trying to get on your show since August. And if you're really concerned, if you're really concerned that asking one person in a, in a friendly environment that you don't, if you're tr- if you're trying to tell them that you don't have enough skill and charm as an interview, viewer 
to gently to gently to gently pull that uh, that simple bit of information out of a source. I, I, I find that incredible. And besides, you're lecturing me about charm. Joe, you have tons of it. You have charms. That's. But it didn't even occur to me to ask her that. But well, that's the problem. It wasn't. That's the problem. It, it was totally irrelevant to the it's interview. It's not. It's not. It wasn't. You, you said you, you you kept asking what what the what the going rate was. Now, on the topic of Jan Wong and gag orders, I also don't. Another thing I don't see you covering these days is how Jan Wong is being serially mistreated Wait. by. Okay, good. Are you going to get Chris Selly on to explain to, to explain uh, the the rationale behind his hit piece against her? Oh, I would her? love to talk with him about that. Well, I tried, by the way. And it's his been response a busy was, year, and he, Joe. And you he, have a very high expectation of me. Well, I appreciate fine, that. Well, fine. And he is. I asked Chris, Chris Selly about that. I said, and his response is, "What is Canada Land Watch?" And I wrote back saying, "What is Google?" The, Maybe you're learning a little bit about about what ha, why you don't get as many interviews as you would like. <sighs> what do you mean? That's, I, I don't. I don't go. What are you talking about? I, I don't go soliciting interviews. Where'd you get that impression? You wanted Chris Sully to to talk with you? No, 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 no. I got. I, I asked him for a comment about. I asked him a couple of questions about this and, and whether it actually indicated that Toronto journalists have an in crowd and and an out crowd. And Jan has suddenly been put on the out crowd. So on her principled stand on gag orders. Remember Can you stop trying to scoop my episode on no, Jan? No, 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 no. no. It's coming just, up. Is, I have I have no knowledge that you don't have. So journalists can't. Uh, cannot agree to gag orders. Gag orders are, are unethical for journalists. I never agreed to a gag order. You what I'm not telling to, you, you about... Not, you agreed not to disclose how much the star is paying you. Getting back to a, a previous topic, going popping up a stack, if you don't mind, uh, why did you mislead the audience that you, that you were going to... You were going to um, fearlessly uh, pursue independent media criticism when the biggest story of your career, even according to your claims, could only have been published by the Toronto Star? Why did I mislead them? My God. You had, you had that all in process for months. First of all, I've explained in detail why I went to the Toronto Star with that story. Why did I launch the Patreon knowing that that story would, would only come out through a partnership with another organization? Because the show needed money or it was going to go away? At no point did I ever promise that everything that I ever publish will come out on Canada land. And, and at no point did anybody really expect that. You, uh, that those, 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 okay, that's false. You, you constantly use the word independent. That's right. And right? I am. Indep- you're not independent if you're co-bylined with Kevin Donovan of the Toronto Star. And by the way, that means you can never report on the Toronto Star again because you're in there. Then I can't report on any of the many other organizations that I have worked for or might no, no, still no, no, work current, for. No, 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 present day only, present day only. Like you can still, you've, you're, you've, worked, you've worked for the corpse and you're having no, no problem reporting about them. No, the, the past has nothing to do with it. It's the present day that's the issue. This is like fascistic. And no one, just, Joe, no, it is let's not. say that and I only got $1,000 for the Patreon. Just a second, it is not true that no one, expect, that no one expected you never to write for the, for the lamestream media. It's implicit. You made an, it's an implied covenant. So you, you think it was an implied covenant that as soon as I asked for a dollar for my audience. Don't call me a fascist. No. What is fascistic and ideological to me and is uh, unyielding and uh, unreasonable is for you to assert to me that had I, let's say, only gotten $1,000 a month from my audience, okay? $12,000 a year minus the Patreon fees and the credit card fees. So how was I going to make up the rest of my income? Would I have been a hypocrite if I had gone and, and taken a column at the magazine or a newspaper, even though I'm reporting on them? What did you expect? Everybody else it, understands that. Only you can, seem to find no, no, that no, to no, be. I can, no, no, everyone else excuses it. And what you're, what you're describing as, as um, unyielding application of principle is exactly that, right? Because some, some, ethics, some ethics are non-negotiable. And on your question, well, if I only if, if my funding drive had 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 uh, only succeeded part way, which was never going to be true, if it had only succeeded, it's come on, you're you're much too popular for that. You're always going to get get enough. Okay, the the this the salient question, Jesse, is 
Would people have objected if I had planned all along to deliver a huge story to the lamestream media? And we know now the answer is no, they wouldn't. And you're using their acquiescence to that unethical practice as a weapon against me. I don't mind being the only person telling you you acted unethically. I have no problem doing that. It doesn't mean that uh, I'm incorrect for saying it. It also doesn't mean it. Right, right. This... your Patreon campaign, Canada Land and Jesse Brown are popularity contests, but this ethical discussion is not a popularity contest and it's not a vote. It's not subject to a vote. And all these people who aren't telling you they object, well, that's an absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. You don't know that they, they object. They just, Simon Haupt has all sorts of objections to you. He kicked it in anyway. He kicked money in anyway. So the, really, the, the, the ethical issue is you're, you're – you're, have always contended you were the only media critic in Canada, even when that was never true, right? But that's really, I find that, you know, offensive. We can talk uh, about that too, Joe. We find that offensive to the core. But then, lady, you started this funny campaign uh, uh, promising, promising true independent media criticism, which this country dearly needs. And then your first story is with the Toronto Star. Now, My first story is for with the, Sorry, the, I, that, that's incorrect. The, 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 the giant story, the giant story, really the king-making story was uh, with the Toronto Star. A king. <laughs> well, okay. So, and now, just to if just to just to tidy up a little bit about the the libel insurance business. Oh God, but, no, not more of that. Well, no, all you, right. You, you you always you you use that phrase a lot, including in this conversation, spontaneously in this conversation. Okay. So, even if you have libel insurance, that just means you don't have to pay the lawyer; you still have to go to court. And that could still happen. Yes. And and, and in a year, Canada Land will be in a place where I can break a story like that, both in terms of its credibility and in terms of its insurance. It will be in a position to break stories like that. What I want to say to you is this, and what I hope that you understand. Apparently, there's something you want to say to me. I am in uncharted territory, and I am dealing with how. How? What what, what territory is uncharted? You're You're running a journalistic podcast. There are tons of those. I'm running an independent media project, the the likes of which I at least am not familiar with a precedent that I can base my actions on. So on an ad hoc basis, I am navigating unfamiliar waters, trying to serve the truth and trying to serve my audience and trying to create a business and trying to do the work that I like and trying to talk to people I find interesting as well as expose things that need to be exposed. I do this on uh, now uh, twice a week basis and the public trust that I have with my audience, people are not idiots, is measured by the support that they can revoke at any time. It does not mean that I'm always right that they continue to sponsor the show. I I, I, hold on. I don't think I don't think funding is the only measure of accountability. This goes this. I, 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 I just said that. You, you just said that it is the only measure of accountability. No, I, I'm saying <laughs> that I have a public revo- trust. They can revo- revoke that support at any time. That's right. Well, incredibly enough, you may find this you may find that this beggars the imagination, but I support your project. But you just simply will not acknowledge my criticism of it and my, my fact-checking, your, your lack of fact-checking, to use a, account, a, oh, let me, a recurring Let me fact-check your fact-checking, Joe. Please do. Uh, it, this is from your most recent po- – uh, one of your most recent Which posts. Which most recent one? Uh, the post about Courtney Shea's p- uh, profile of Gameshi in, in Toronto oh, Life. Yeah. How much did Shea know but refused to publish, you asked? If only we had an independent media critic to explore such questions. Can we just say that you're speaking about me, though you refuse well, to use course, my name? Well, of course, of course. Not okay. refuse. Come on. I was, maybe, right. I was being allegorical. But that might result in bruised egos and lost friendships and cold glances at downtown progressive journal booze ups. You just finished telling me that you, you, can't, you can't ask people how much they earn because one of, one of the, one of the uh, criteria that goes into getting people on the show is, is essentially not offending them. Every minute spent investigating actual facts is a minute stolen from interviewing ex-girlfriends and crooning cousins on yes, one's podcast. absolutely. The claim here, I hope you will agree, is that I did not ask 
Courtney Shea how much she knew but refused to publish. No, it's, it's not a claim. It's a speculation. And it's, it's, it's a rhetorical speculation. If only and we had always, an independent media critic to explore such questions. Always in the back of my mind, always in the back of my mind, Jesse, and this is not just a disingenuous, and I assure you this is completely accurate and truthful, always in the back of my mind where well, I was thinking he has talked to her and, he, and she did the same thing to him. She did the same thing to him that she did to me, which is you have to go through the editor. And then the next thing is he's probably also talked to the editor. I've spoken to both of them. Why didn't exactly. you just ask me? Exactly. So in the back Why of, didn't you just ask me? Because I, did, I didn't- Why didn't you fact check your speculation, your suggestion that I didn't do my job? I, ch- I, ch- I chose to write in a rhetorical manner. Well, that allowed you to write something that essentially was not truthful. It, no, 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 no. I didn't make, didn't make a claim. Did not make a claim. Well, it's, it is true that you put an ex-girlfriend and a, and a crooning, crooning queer cousin on the show. Those are truthful statements. You, you, you it's just, slippery at best. You Joe. don't know. You, you, no, no, you just didn't like. You just didn't like my approach there. But I just finished. No, I don't like you. you suggesting that I didn't do something that I actually and did. Another thing I thought while I was writing this, which I put a shitload of effort into, like going to the library, getting that actual actual copy of the thing, looking her up. Right. I also gave her. I like. I gave her tons of shit in that post, which you're not giving me credit for. Okay. Another thing that occurred to me, of course, is by writing this. This gives you an opening at a later time when you actually do have some kind of expose about uh, Courtney Shea and Mark Popo, Popo and what they knew. Hold on. And what the entire organization knew. If you finally – I shouldn't say when. If you finally have an expose about that, you get a, a, you get a delicious bit of comeuppance. You get a delicious bit of comeuppance. I don't have an expose. They didn't know. There's no conspiracy then here, just, man. Then, then you just blew your story by telling me that. What, what, what story did I blow? Well, that, that the Toronto Life suppressed the information that I published with the Toronto I, Star. No, no, they no, no, didn't. No, no, they didn't no, no, know. No, no. I didn't suggest that. I didn't suggest that, because I support. I support what you're doing. You've got. You have. A, you have a lot of uh, details around the edges, and actually some at the core that need to be altered. But I do support what you're doing. But Joe, uh, here we go. You have a thorough background in news journalism that I want you to share with our listeners in a moment. Not not hard news. I never wrote hard news. Okay, uh, that, that doesn't mean anything. There are standards for reporting that shift wildly from newsroom to newsroom and organization to organization. And they are all each respective news organs attempt to uh, create a standard of credibility and to have responsible reporting. The problem in this country is that they are too often used as excuses to not report. You can be so responsible in your standards that you don't actually break any goddamn news. So I do things a little bit differently. I refuse to have the standard of one organization or another thrown at me. There's no bar you need to be called to to be a journalist. I'm aware of There's that. no licensing body. Well, you're suggesting there are these, there are these um, uh, equivalently, equivalently viable uh, protocols uh, that are all slightly different. And, well, they're uh, kind of wildly different from place okay. to place. Well, fine. But really- so the ultimate metric is, are the stories true? And my stories hold up. And it allows me to publish things that other people aren't publishing. Okay. And that's the service I provide. Well, it's true that, well, well okay. So uh, I don't think we're actually disputing the, the, the core value that if you claim that a person said or did something, you have to double check that. They may say no and they may be lying to you or they may not answer you and they may be dodging the question. You may still publish anyway. That's precisely, that's precisely what happened with Gomeshi, right? But you still have to make the effort. Sure. Right? And you and I have – you've explained to me in private email correspondence that you, you prefer to just shoot off Gmail sometimes instead of calling them up, right? Because often they won't talk to you on the phone. But the problem – No, I prefer to call them up, but they won't talk to me on the phone. 
Well, except and then I then I listed to you an alternate scenario which you, which you could try, and that you're and for very high profile things like in the Yatim case, where essentially you're accusing the hack there of um, recapitulating the defense's uh, evidence, the defense's private evidence, right? Um, you can't you can't get something important like you can't can't get a response to something important. I like didn't that accuse in her of that. Uh, my sources, who were reporters who were at that hearing, yes, and you accused you, her of you that. Reported, reported them. Well, this this that's. That's a distinction without much of a difference because, of course, it's under your. It's it under means your that it's line. substantiated. Joe. Well, of course, yes, I know, I know that is what they're saying. I know that is what they're saying. But to get a comment from um, Mary Rogan, was it? Yes, That's right, Mary Rogan. To get a comment from Mary Rogan on something serious like that, you positively can't do it in writing because you tip off the source and then you, you won't. And then get she it. doesn't. Let's say she doesn't talk to me on the phone. Do I not publish the piece? <sighs> You tell her that I need to talk to you on, on the, talk to you on the phone or in person about a serious issue. Let's say she won't talk with me on the phone. Do I still publish the piece? Yes. And would not the piece be stronger if I had comment from her, even if it was an email form? But she was not, never going to give you a comment on that, and that that was borne out. So she gave me a no comment, which is better than no comment. Well, in some in some ways, in some ways, yes. Now, would you mind terribly, Jesse? Since we're already over time, you're basically accusing me of e- eating up too much time. Would you mind terribly, if we, Jesse, if we got back to something that, that I considered important? Would you mind if we get, if we sort of change the subject to something that I considered important? I'm having a blast. Let's do it. You didn't not seem to be having a blast. Okay, so let's do two things. Okay, do you remember your show notes from episode 13? I do. Okay, see the block quoted area, which I'm sure sure there. Apologies to listeners for the paper noise. I was told not to bring paper after I already brought paper. So can you can you read your statement to me in your Jesse Brown voice? Can you I, read I'd love Jesse re- Brown. I'd love to read. It. In, Again, it makes for great radio. In your, in your own Jesse Brown. What I want, what I'm hoping to kind of work towards. Oh, this stuff always. Uh, what I want. Right? You want me to, to like, work You want me to sell it? Sell it, baby. All right. <laughs> What I want, what I'm hoping to kind of work towards is a greater realization that it's okay to be critical of one another in this industry the same way that we're critical of every other industry and institution. You know that thing that journalists do where we afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted, where we ask tough questions? We need to do that to ourselves. It's a cultural thing, and it's the culture that I'm trying to play some role in changing, that things not be so chummy and incestuous and and that we understand that that's what we do professionally. It's not personal. That's the way things are in a lot of other countries that have a robust press, uh, free discourse. I think that that is what is really desperately needed here. And I think that I have to not get so frustrated that it hasn't happened yet, you know, uh, just three months into this project. Uh, well done. Uh, Thank you. Every year, every year, there's a Night of a Thousand Stevies in New York where drag queens and some females show up as Stevie Nicks. Um, I, I suggest we inaugurate Night of a Thousand Jessies. So with a, a thousand of us show up with microphones and do, and do Jesse Brown. You do Jesse Brown as well as Cher does Cher. Why did I just read that? Well, we have a couple of um, points of principle here. Uh-huh. So the, the big one there, and this is, this, is, this is pinned to the top of my uh, web log, right? And I say we should always hold you, to, hold you to these things, that asking tough questions and critiquing each other is not personal. Right? Yeah. Okay. First of all, I don't think you really ask tough, tough questions and critique uh, the personalities. So, and the, the the classic case of this, which you and I have been talking about since August, is looking at the uh, media power couples who occupy too many slots in the media already, right? Ian Brown and Johanna Schneller and uh, Sarah Fulver, daughter daughter of Wedgie and Stephen March and. 
uh, Elizabeth Renzetti and Doug Saunders, like these these married couples that occupy all these slots, right? You 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 you, you don't want to touch that because I guess you I'm I'm inferring that you find that too personal. Well, what would our fondue party be like if I went into that? Well, that's, the thing. Very that's the awkward. thing. That's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, surely wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it Joan Didion who explained that that journalists are always selling out their sources, and if they're, if they're even if they're your friends, that's still true. Now you've accused me before in private email of getting personal. Joe. And you consider that getting too personal. I don't want to waste your time here because I got to cut out what you just said because you just mentioned the name of two individual people who don't even cover these issues. Uh, you mentioned a journalist who covers municipal politics and you brought his sexuality and his uh, Judaism into question the, no, no, as reasons he why. He, he, no, no. In my piece, I describe how he, he, he talks about – he does in fact talk about things that aren't just municipal politics. I did not reveal that some civilian person who has no power, no public profile is gay or Jewish. That is not what happened. And of course, you as a heterosexual male journalist, the heterosexual male journalist does nothing but act as a gatekeeper over what the gay and lesbian journalist can factually report. You can report anything you want. You can single out anyone you want. Perhaps you'll step over some law. And that's not going to happen given my knowledge of defamation law. The only thing that you might be sacrificing if you are mean, if you are angry, if you are unfair, if you are inaccurate, or if you pick enemies. I'm almost never inaccurate. What you sacrifice potentially is your credibility and whether or not anyone wants to listen to you. Define listen. If anyone wants to hear what you have to say, read your site, listen to you on my show. Well, the... So you'll know. The reason why I even publish uh, things like this is so that they can, they can be found by uh, other like-minded people. Look, you promised that if I post this interview, you're going to stop criticizing Canada Land. Would you like to know why that is? No, I don't want to know why it is. I just want you to know that I don't want you to do that, that I don't think anybody should take on my word that I'm going to hold up these standards and they shouldn't scrutinize what I'm doing. I think that you certainly have the means to do this uh, in a perpetual way. It seems like you got the time. I think nobody, everybody says they want transparency. I know you love that word. Nobody really wants to be held accountable, especially when they fuck up. I don't want you to catch me on something. I imagine you eventually will that might actually stick. I think it needs it. And I think it would be incredibly hypocritical of me to say that I want you to go away and stop doing this when I'm doing this to so many other people. Nothing's going to stick. Uh, Jesse Nation will, will back you to the hilt. To your next appointment Joe, in Joe, 10 minutes. I've been in dialogue with you before. I'm in dialogue with you now. I'm not going anywhere. If you want to keep doing this, I consider it a service. And uh, I thank you for coming here and speaking with me today. Jesse, you have a lot to learn. That was your Canada Land show. I hope you endured it. You can email me always at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I read them all. I respond when I can. I'm on Twitter, at Jesse Brown, and the website is canadalandshow.com. The crowdfunding site is at patreon.com slash canadaland. I produced this show with Christopher DeMello, and this week's episode of Canada Land Shortcuts will be up on Thursday morning. If you like this show, support it. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman. 
found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.